0: hello and welcome to episode two of season two of the hard yards it has been a long time coming to get to this episode a little like the name of the podcast i have been doing the hard yards in life myself during this ever-changing and evolving covid world that we all now live in In saying that, I hope all of my listeners out there are doing well, and please remember, if things are getting too tough, make sure you reach out to your friends or family for some help. I'm very excited, however, to be back chatting sport and life, and especially on the back of what was a phenomenal Olympic game for Australia, and one that I thoroughly enjoyed a few weeks ago. Tonight's guest, however, does not play an Olympic sport, but I'm pretty sure if we can get a strong push for Australian rules to be included in the 2032 Olympic Games here in Brisbane, it would undoubtedly be another gold medal for Australia. Uh, It is my great pleasure to introduce tonight's guest as one of the Brisbane Lions Premier Backman and 130-gamer, Darcy Gardner. A very warm welcome to the Hard Yards, Darcy. Thanks so much for joining me for episode two of season two. How are you doing, mate?
1: Cheers, Matt. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, going well, thanks. Yourself?
0: Mate, I'm very, very good. It's um, it's great to chat to you, mate. And I guess it's probably you like the rest of us. It's a weird time of life, isn't it? You know, living in this yeah.
1: um,
0: ever-changing world of COVID. Um, the talk of um, there being, you know, significant lockdowns in Melbourne again over the last couple of days with curfews. I mean, I associate the word curfew to war-torn countries and different places, not Australia. So it's just yeah. fascinating and it's a difficult time. How are you travelling with it yourself and what does it look like from an AFL perspective at the moment?
1: Yeah, obviously, yeah, it's been quite different um, the last couple of years compared to previous. Um, somewhat, probably a little bit luckier up in Queensland um, just going off other of states and, and what they've sort of had to deal with, I guess, um, especially having family and friends down in Victoria um, being quite tough, or well, a lot tougher for them, I think, through this period. Um, and yeah, I guess for the AFL, it's just, um, yeah, we're, we're very lucky, I guess, to still be able to play through it. Um, they've been able to find ways to keep it safe. Um, it's also good for the fans. It gives them something to watch, I guess, through those tough times. Um, so we're proud to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, also, like I said, very lucky to still be able to get out, um, go to work with your mates every day um, during these tough times. So yeah, feel pretty, I guess, pretty, yeah, pretty lucky um, in, I guess, a tough situation for everyone.
0: I think we still are lucky, even though the, you know, the situation is worsening at the moment in Australia, we're still very, very lucky from the numbers perspective. What's it like from a, I guess, thinking about AFL and thinking about finals 40 just around the corner for you guys, I think there's one round left um, before you hit finals. Has coach Chris Fagan you know, put a halt on you walking out the front door to go down to Woolies and even buy food, mate. So you can't ever risk being in a place where someone... Because I look at it and think, oh, my gosh, if you go to Woolies and, you know, you happen to be there when someone gets COVID and now you're in a, you know, a close contact and you might have been in there exact same time and you've got 14 days in quarantine, that could, you know... And, and we're, I know we're talking about football here, um, but, you know, not life set so much, but, you know, it could derail a team's finals campaign if you had you know yeah. one or two or multiple squad members ruled out um into quarantine because they were uh, in the same place so has he put the put the put the um locks on the doors and said no more it's just uber eats time uh
1: to an extent to an extent absolutely even uh, not so much him it's more so probably uh from the afl to be honest um okay. And then obviously, you know, you, you do talk about it as a team, though, to make smart decisions because you don't want to let one another down. Um, obviously, you know, you could go somewhere and be unlucky, just like you said, if you went to the supermarket. But there's obviously things you can avoid doing that yeah. aren't probably necessary um, during this time, especially this, you know, month to go or whatever. It's You can hold off as yes. such. So, um, but yeah, even like um, before we played Collingwood for 48 hours before the game, we weren't allowed to. We could only go from home to training, so could go. Couldn't leave your house pretty much. So oh, wow. um, weren't allowed to you know go for a walk around the block or anything like that. You have to strictly stay at home or straight to the Gabba. Um so there is strict protocols in place, but that's yeah I guess more league just to keep the season going and keep it alive. But um as players you I think you just understand and you know a lot of guys have uh, faced different challenges and a lot of teams have faced different challenges throughout the team. So I think it's something that uh we've just been able to adapt with um and just understand it's just a just a part of it um unfortunately.
0: Do you guys do you guys deal with anything from the public as far as negativity about the fact that you know, um, for example, all community sport at the moment in Queensland over these last two weeks has been shut down, so yep. you know, kids are playing sport at all. Um, do you guys deal with any or get any negativity from the public and the fact that you guys do get to still play sport?
1: Yeah, look, I'll be honest. I I wouldn't actually know. I, I don't really. You don't, you um,
0: haven't personally. I don't really.
1: Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I just don't don't look into it or look watch a lot of that sort of stuff. Um, I'm sure there'd be people there that are sort of you know, obviously um, are for and against it. Um, but I just follow follow whatever I got to do and sort of you know worry about that. Um, if someone else wants to worry about that, then they can. But I've yeah just. Yeah, it doesn't really faze me or bother me. It just, just just, is what it is, you know. Like Whether we whether we were playing, like we had to have a break last year that we decided, you know, we didn't play. So and when we can play, we can play. So, um, yeah, I'm not too, like I said, I'm not too aware of it. I'm sure there would be something out there, but not, not too sure.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I found myself defending not just AFL, but, you know, the professional sporting codes that are still running in Australia at the moment um, today to a, you know, to, to, um, uh, with a lady in a discussion, and, and, uh, she was adamant that, you know, it was ridiculous that certain things could happen, but, you know, professionals, you know, couldn't happen, but professional sport could still happen. I said, yeah, but my argument was that it's still a livelihood for you guys, it's still work. So, yeah, you know, if I don't, if I'm not allowed to work in my, my place of work, I'm not earning any money, I'm not able to support my family, I'm still not able to, you know, the, the bills keep coming. The, the mortgages keep coming yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, the school fees keep coming and if I'm yeah. not working, then, you know, that's a very difficult time and I, and I just found myself defending you guys and it's still a job for you guys, like at the end of the day, you're still working hard and you're making a living out of what you do. So I still think it's got its place and like you said off the top, I think for us who are in lockdown, I think like the Olympics for me during the Brisbane lockdown period was yeah. the best timing ever.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah.
0: You know, you being a sportsman, I'm sure that, um, you know, the Olympics was amazing for you. What was, was there a highlight, mate? Did you, did you just sit on your couch and watch? watch,
1: uh, watch, you know, watch pretty the, much, yeah. I, I wouldn't say I had a standout, like I said, I'll just, yeah, just on the seven, whatever the seven app is, or I think it was seven, um, just scrolling through just every, every sport and, you know, everyone's texting each other, this is on, this is on, or I'll have a look at this sort yeah. of thing, like a couple of different ones here and there that you probably don't see you know about like a few sports a few new ones that you don't really watch a lot of so um, yeah it was it was like I said it was good and we had a lot of Aussies winning and sort of you know it felt like um, yeah you're a part of it and you almost like felt like you were there Um, had some sort of emotional connection even though you you know you barely ever know them so um, yeah it was was pretty cool
0: great job of that this year didn't they just kind of Mm helping us to get to know the athletes better than probably any coverage ever before.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah, I think they did a good job with it. Like the broadcast and the people they had on there, Um, the stories I guess they showed behind it, even post-race interviews or post-events interviews. Yeah, they sort of dove down into the person and, you know, a bit about their life and and where they come from and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think they did a good job.
0: Did you find yourself... really liking some of our athletes that you'd never heard of before.
1: My yeah, guess. absolutely. Even just the um, camaraderie, even, you know, the, uh, what, what event was it in that decathlon? Oh, um, like, yeah, can't say I've come across those two guys before, but um, just to see what like, Will and his mate over the line um, to get a bronze medal and the celebration he had, even though he didn't even win it, um, was pretty oh, special. Was um, while his mate
0: was lying there dying on the ground, had no idea. <laughs> Oh, Trying was um, Awesome, wasn't it? You know and that was so, that was pretty yeah, late pretty at night, good. and I, I remember watching it with my son, who's who's this year just started to you know he made it to state champ for cross country for the first time as a fifteen year old, and so that sort of middle distance running and Peter Bowl yeah. and you know our fifteen hundred meter men and women in the in the main event as well, and just how oh, just I thought the athletics team this year was so much better than it feels like we've had in athletics in the past few Olympics. And to see so many get to finals and, you know, win medals in the high jump, that high jump, women's high jump, and, and even Starkey in the men's high jump. And yeah. to see the footage of the Aussie cricket team watching in some oval in Bangladesh where they just got flogged, maybe they should have been practising. But, um, you know, they, they, uh, they, just, they just captured a nation, I think, you know, the athletes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, yeah, just like such a broad thing, but it just brings everyone together in a way, um, which is pretty cool.
0: And some incredible, I think, leaders of our team. So, you know, Paddy Mills, and, you know, having watched, I think I've watched every one of those bronze medal matches for the Boomers over the last however many years, um, to see them win that match and see how Paddy led that team not only the the boomers, but the Olympic team, I think, from, you know, start to finish of the campaign and guys like Peter Bowl and just the messages that some of the athletes spoke about and just a really grounded bunch that, you know, were inspiring, I reckon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, the basketball, uh, yeah, showed how much it meant to them. Even um, ex-players didn't realise how much just winning a bronze medal actually uh, meant to those guys, so it was um, yeah, it was pretty cool to watch.
0: Did you see after straight after that on the late night show uh, with Andy Marr, who's been on my podcast, and Andrew Gaze? I don't know if you saw Gazey that night, straight after they'd won. Yeah. Whether you watched, it's just I, I know, I, mate. I was crying in the lounge room watching him talk about
1: it. Yeah, I didn't see that direct. I did see some replay vision of him celebrating and jumping around on that though. So he um, looks yeah, pretty happy about it.
0: Just the talk. So the talk of him straight afterwards, they had him on, you know, their late night show with him and Andy. And he spoke about his dad, Lindsay Gaze, who is synonymous with basketball in Australia and the Gaze family, I suppose. But when Lindsay and when Lindsay first started pushing basketball and trying to build basketball in Australia, Andrew said that there was two hundred, only two hundred registered basketball players in the country right now that is unbelievable and at that starting point andrew said his dad the entire goal was the olympics and every driving force behind what Lindsay was doing with basketball in australia was to to get them to the olympics and be competitive and to to watch you know for Lindsay to be able to see that you can just imagine what he would have been like on the couch and andrew gaze was so emotional but it's just this legacy they've created but all the boomers have bought into now, it seems, and, you know, that they want to carry that legacy forwards and continue to now, this is our standard. So, you know, just, mate, just incredible. You must be, is there a part of you that's slightly gutted that you don't play a sport that's at the Olympics? Yeah, <laughs>
1: you know? it would be pretty cool, uh, especially with the whole country watching. Um uh, yeah, unfortunately not. It'd be good if we did though, because we'd be pretty handy at it, I reckon. <laughs> <The> <laughs> AFL well. I reckon we get a few golds. Yeah, I reckon we um to telly, but for a while. Um, it'd be a bit unfair, yeah. I reckon.
0: <laughs> I reckon for me as well, like I'm a I'm a tragic and you know it sounds like you were you know watching everything as well, but some of the footage from the Olympic village of the Aussies and I saw one clip of them and they dragged it. You know, just like home. I dragged a bin out into the middle of the Olympic Village in the middle of the street, and someone had a cricket bat, one of those plastic yeah. yellow cricket bats. And they had people around the bat, and there's people coming in to bowl. And can you just imagine, like, being in the Olympic Village for two weeks and going to every sporting event at night, once you're, especially once your events are over? I mean, it'd just be off the charts party time.
1: Yeah, it'd be a pretty, pretty cool experience um, getting to know everyone as well. And yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I said, it'd be a good time as well, I reckon.
0: I think in your sport, um, obviously they have, you know, your all Australians team gets named and the like, and your international rules would be the closest thing to sort of the pinnacle of, you know, selection from all the teams into one?
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah, obviously, yeah, you have the um, All-Australian each year. Um, and previously, I don't know when the last time they did it was, but, um, yeah, the international rules... Um, where they go and play Ireland, so probably be I guess your highest individual sort of um, achievement. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I think it kind of felt like it. The international rules stopped a little bit, and we were being a bit too rough on the Irish boys, weren't we?
1: Yeah, I think there was a few, well, a bit, <laughs> maybe a few back in the day. A little bit there was a couple of uh, games there that got a bit out of hand. I think. Um, with the crossover, obviously it's a bit hard. With the crossover, the two sports are a bit different. Well, they're yeah you know, similar, but uh, played in a bit of a different manner. So I
0: reckon um, they gave just as good as they got, though the Irish.
1: Yeah, no, they they're fiery. Every Irish guy I've played with so got it. They got plenty of going, and that's for sure. Well, you've had a couple of times. Uh, I don't have a go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, nah, well, they well they're talented athletes, and like I said, they got plenty of ticker, and they'll have a go. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, mate, let's chat let's a little bit about your AFL journey. So uh, you're a Southerner, um, as you touched on before, with family down south. So in 2013, um, you're living in Geelong and you're up for the draft. Talk us through that, mate. Were you aware of what was coming your way? Like, did Brisbane Lions, have they reached out and said, hey, mate, we're going to take you? Or, you know, talk us through that draft process um, and how it sort
1: of played out for you? 18, I think, at the time? Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, I was obviously down in Geelong. Um, yeah, I'd obviously had a few good years of footy coming into my last year, and under-18s playing big country, uh, you know, doing the AAS program, that sort of thing. So, uh, which obviously definitely helps your chances, I guess, of getting drafted. Um, and also I was playing with the Geelong Falcons down there um, in the TIC Cup, so... I guess going into the draft, though, you, you know, you speak to a fair or well, most of the clubs throughout the year um, and it ramps up a little bit later on through September or September, October, leading into the draft in November. Um, but probably purely on the night, I wouldn't say, I, you know, obviously I was thinking I'd be going somewhere, didn't know when or who, though. Um, and I was just, yeah, just hoping and happy to go anywhere, anyone that called my name out, um, happy to go to the next day sort of thing. Um but, yeah, I was sort of probably leaning, you know, either maybe Geelong, I think St Kilda, North Melbourne or Brisbane are probably the four that um, at the time sort of just from the interviews they felt the most engaging, I guess. And, um, yeah, um, and I do remember, yeah, I think it was pick 16 on the night. Geelong had that and they took someone uh, with the first name Darcy as well. So uh, uh, when they obviously go Darcy and then I thought, oh, yep, that's the one. And, um, it wasn't me, so uh, I think then oh, I think maybe yeah, St Kilda might have had picks seventeen and eighteen after that as well. So I thought, oh well, um, they were sort of the next next team, so maybe one of these two. And they part, they went, they went past. So I thought, oh no, <laughs> on to the next. Um, and then wasn't too much longer. that was lucky, yeah, Brisbane with number uh, pick twenty two took me. So,
0: do you just rewinding a hmm. fraction? Do you? <laughs> as a player at that stage do you reach out to clubs and say hey you know I'm interested or like how does that part of it work or is it just up to their scouts to find the best talent in Australia
1: yeah more so um I think with AFL it's more so up to them um maybe a little bit different like I said I was probably a little bit lucky with my situation whereas I'd played a bit of you know representative footy so I was sort of you, it helps getting your name out there and getting noticed a bit easier, probably. Whereas there might be some guys that are sort of late, I guess, developers or late bloomers, as as whatever you want to call them, um, that might need to reach out a little bit just to sort of you know, get their foot in the door. And because um, that, that, you know, there's a lot of guys that get picked late or get missed in the next couple of years that come in and they're really good players. So um, yeah, but more, probably more so on the scouts, you know, to recognize you and then, um, you know. Meet up with you and and talk to you and and that sort of thing.
0: When your name gets called out, it's Brisbane Lions. There's just obviously with what had happened in the last twenty minutes earlier, you just pumped. Hear your name get called out. I'm imagining, and you know, it's thinking right. I'm packing my bags. I'm moving to the Sunshine State. And yeah, what was this going to be? I'm playing AFL footy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It was a massive, yeah, massive just relief Um, and just yeah, just pure elation, I guess. And then I was, I was pretty lucky as well. So we had a fair few draft picks go that night to Brisbane. Um, so I sort of sort of knew knew quite a few of the guys, um, and even Louis Taylor, who went six picks later, yep. um, best mates with him. Um, so yeah, played Falcons with him for the last three or four years. So sort of pretty lucky that I was, um, you know, having to move away. At least I, you know, had close friends going with me, which made it a lot easier.
0: Little Moz, he loves his golf. Yeah, he
1: does. Yeah, he doesn't want to, want to hit. So, um, no, it was, it was good.
0: So, how immediate is your journey north then? Uh, yeah, so pretty
1: much, I think mine was just a little bit different because I still had like a, uh, I know this sounds a bit funny, but I think I had a school graduation that I had, it was a, the, sort of the next week or early next week. And um, just wanted to, they, you know, they're not too pushy. They like you to finish those sort of things off. Um, pretty accommodating at the time. But, um, I think it was on the Thursday night and most of the boys were up on the Monday, the following Monday. Okay. Um, so it's, yeah, it's pretty quick, but cause it is, uh, just before Christmas, you sort of go for two weeks and you get the next two weeks off anyway. So, um, for your Christmas break. So it's just sort of a little introduction, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, and then you are back home for a little bit and then back into it for the season. So,
0: so given that you're 18, you come into Brisbane and you probably don't know anyone. Um, too much other than maybe a couple of the draftees that went with you. Yeah. Where do you stay? Do you just like lob in and say, Hey Brownie, have you got a spare room, mate? <laughs> Jonathan Brown would have been uh, there at the time.
1: He was there. Uh, didn't unfortunately get, get to stay at his, which went pretty cool <laughs> at the time. Um now nah, I think. Oh, memory for the first, just for that first sort of few weeks, we were just in, um, it just in some apartments in Kangaroo Point, just not just down the road from the Gabba. Um, obviously we, because we didn't have cars or anything, so it made it a bit easier just to be able to walk to training. Um, and then yeah, after Christmas, um, just moved the guys sort of split up and um, uh, ability out with uh, certain different players, um, and just moved in with players, which which was good. Um, obviously get you get to know everyone and obviously when they go out and do stuff, you go out with them. So you get to know a few of the other boys a lot easier and a, and a lot quicker.
0: Yeah. I imagine that's key, like a key part of the process, isn't it? To integrate you into the squad and get you to feel like you are part of the squad and get to know some of those senior players.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's almost one of the most important things, probably even more, so a little bit more important than your footy when you first get to a club, um, just, you know, being comfortable getting to know everyone. Um, Especially when you do move a long way from home, it's it's what you want. Yeah, yeah, you don't want guys coming here, feeling homesick, You want them to pretty much feel like they're coming to a you know the second home or a new home, I guess, um, in, a, in a big family environment. So um, it's definitely a big focus, um, something that's really important.
0: Just moving slightly forward now. Now that you've been in the Lions since 2013 and... You see this process still happen through draft times every year. Does Brisbane do it the same way? Have they improved the process? Because obviously we went through a. I say we as a Brisbane Lions fan. Brisbane Lions went through a little period there where we lost a few players back home and back south and you know back to Perth. Um, so have they? changed that process or made it better or does it still look the same as what it felt like when you did it
1: um maybe oh probably a little bit different maybe just more maybe a little bit more of just an emphasis on it um and probably the importance of looking after like you know or just um yeah like I said probably more so the relationships side of things and social sort of events side of things more so than footy when you first get there not that you don't focus on footy, like it's still obviously your most you know your important thing, awesome. that's what you're there for. Um, but, you know, just the, the getting, um, think, yeah, just socialising with everyone and just feeling welcome. I think it's probably just, yeah, a bit, bit more of an emphasis um, um, and it's probably we've transitioned, I guess, a little bit into a younger group. So it's probably made it a little bit easier for everyone just to get along um, and feel a bit more together, I guess, um, especially when guys are moving away from home. So... Probably just a few different little factors, I think, in there, but nothing probably too dissimilar.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. If we go back to when you arrived, I think Mark Harvey was coach at the time, but uh, Justin Lepich, who was obviously a premiership defender for the Brisbane Lions through their three-peat, and you were coming into the club. Were you coming into the club as you are now, as as a backman, or had you been playing... Sort of in different roles, you know, through your early or late team years as you were becoming an elite AFL player uh, or Aussie rules player. What was that like coming in when you knew you were having a coach who potentially played your position?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, like I said, under or through your under eight ends, you get thrown around a little bit, but I was definitely um, seeing myself as a defender, I guess, and drafted um, with that, I guess, as the, as the goal. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty cool to be going somewhere um, that an all Australian, a champion of the club, Premiership player, as you said, um, was coaching, um, especially like I said in my position as well. So um, I think that definitely definitely helped me a lot, especially um, you know playing quite early on in a um, team that did struggle a little bit. Um, so it just sort of helped, I guess, probably fast-tracked in, in, the, in the long run. I was probably better off for it, yeah.
0: Did, did he help you specifically or, you know, because I imagine Justin as the head coach has got a number of other coaches running underneath him um, as assistant coaches. But yeah. did you find that he spent time with you, helping you develop you personally?
1: Yeah, he definitely, uh, I guess it is, it is hard as a head coach, yeah, um, to try and just, you know, you can't just work with the, the back line as such. Um, when, he, when he got an opportunity to, little things here or there, when you're just doing sort of little like technique drills, um, he'd offer, you know, his advice and, and be good in that way. Um, but like I said, we obviously had our assistant coaches that were your, were your back line, your specific line coach. Um, so I had Murray Davis, then um, and Mitch Hahn, through my early, early few years. Um, and now I've stood back to Murray Davis now. So those guys are probably more the, um, you'd spend a lot more one on one time, I guess, with them, um, just because they're more your specific area, as such, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. So year one, you probably exceeded maybe what you thought as far as expectations of how many games you played. I think you played 17 in your first year. Yeah. And then maybe only eight in your second year. What was going through your mind or what happened? Was that injury-related, Darcy?
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, like I said, in my second – oh, sorry, first year, I was um, – yeah, didn't really expect to play at all and probably just a little bit of the position of the club. They were playing young guys. Um, so As in
0: that's why maybe, you got
1: more games? Oh, probably a little bit. has probably has a little bit to do with it, yeah. Um, they wanted just to get the young guys in and, and try and develop them. Um, in that sort of rebuild phase, I guess, um, which I think, you know, at the time it, it seemed pretty hard and tough and, you know, maybe not the right decision, but I think it definitely is in the long, in the long run um, for those for us and the, the guys that played. Um, and then, yeah, going into my second year, I actually had a, yeah, had a, had a few injuries. So I, um, in one of the preseason games, I landed funny on my shoulder, um, sort of had like a sublux, I guess, dislocation of the shoulder, Um which sort of put me out for about four to six weeks um, going into the season. Um, and I rolled my ankle pretty badly as well a couple of times um, already that year as well. Um, so I sort of had a couple of niggles. And then when I was coming back, I sort of had a few games in the reserves, came back in. But, you know, you're playing, but you're not quite playing probably at 100%. Like your, your body's not um, – yeah, you just you, – you, you're out there and you're able to partake, but you're just not quite – uh, I don't know how to put it. You just not you know, you, you know you've know, you got stuff going on like here and there. You're just not quite moving around at 100%. So, um, yeah, came back and played maybe, uh, yeah, like I said, eight or so games. And then unfortunately, um, fully dislocated the shoulder again. Um, and that's when we sort of just called it for the year um, and ended up having uh, ankle um, reconstruction and shoulder reconstruction um, just to sort of <laughs> just well, call it and just get. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, yeah, well, I actually hadn't had any surgery until I got into the AFL, and I've had too much since. So, um, but um, yeah, just sort of called it there and get a clean bill of health.
0: What was that like, sort of, you know, well, the Brisbane Lions medical team nowadays, particularly, is renowned at putting players and getting players back on the park. I think Joe Dana had this year and and uh, Cockatoo, I think, is another one that, you know, has yeah. come to the club and and maybe even Link McCarthy, I reckon. Um, probably didn't play anywhere near as much footy when he was at Geelong as what he should have, but he's been unbelievable, um, you know, in numbers of games played per year since he arrived at the Lions. So, but what's it like as a 19-year-old now or 19, 20-year-old second year and you've had a great first year and all of a sudden you're you know, not playing
1: as many games and you suffered a couple of fairly significant injuries and you're going under the knife. Uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously sort of your first probably significant sort of injury, like you said. It's, it is pretty tough. Um, you're pretty lucky, I guess. Being in an AFL club, you've sort of got the best, uh, like you said, medical support around you um, and also sort of welfare support, I guess. So um, they do do a really good job. Um, Of looking after you and sort of having that in the forefront of their mind I guess so you're not just sort of left left behind and um, left to defend for yourself especially being in your second year as well um, you know away from home so um, yeah it was tough um, but like I said yeah definitely had plenty of support going through those that period Um, and being young as well probably helped a little bit in a way because I was sort of like you know it's just I've still got plenty of looking at it. I've still got hopefully plenty of footy ahead of me. Uh, a yeah. small little bump in the road rather than sort of bam like, or could be the, could be not sort of going or it could be the end here. Um, yeah, sure. um, so I still sort of, yeah, I guess it was a little bit different then.
0: Did you have those thoughts this year, early in the year when you busted your shoulder in that game? and you're down on the ground and you would know, I would imagine, it's the same shoulder. You know the feeling and you'd be thinking the same. Did those thoughts cross your mind this year or was it really just the thought of as you're getting helped off the ground by the trainer, I've got to get this last kick because I've seen the footage. (laughs) And one of my mates from our our group chat said, oh, you've got to ask him, was he trying to get a kick or was he trying to trip the bloke?
1: (laughs) Yeah, a bit of both, I reckon. Uh, I was probably pretty, uh, pretty annoyed at the time, and um, yeah, I remember actually thinking I was well because I had to walk all the way across the oval. I wanted the physio to try and get the shoulder back in before I got over there because it's quite um, uncomfortable walking um, yeah, with right. it out. Um, and he was trying, but he it just wouldn't wouldn't go for some reason anyway. So if it had got back in, I might have actually been able to lay a tackle or do something a bit more impressive for everyone, but. Um,
0: I mean, yeah, I ever, probably just. Have you ever seen Lethal Weapon one? And you just get the trainer to stand still and just, you know. <laughs> you
1: know I'll we'll have to have a look at that. I have to show him actually, in case that oh, Gibson, you know, he used to pop it out. Yeah. No, I don't. First? Were you thinking. Uh, did, did it
0: cross not... your mind, or this could be, you know?
1: Not probably, not probably that, not probably yet, um, <laughs> or at that point. <laughs> I, I was just thinking like. Like, like, surely not again! Like, I have it been pretty good. Um, uh, for like, you know, I had didn't have any sort of um issues with it leading into the game. You know, like sometimes you know if you've hurt a little bit, you know, you and you expect at some point something might happen. Then you are sort of like, oh well, it was just out of the blue this one. So, um, and it was pretty innocuous. There wasn't a lot in it. Um, just the awkward falling. Um, but so I was just sort of thinking, yeah, it was a it was a, it was a weird one. But then, I, then I, I think, yeah. I, I guess because it was early in the year as well. I sort of once I got inside into the rooms and got it back in, I sort of started talking to the physio straight away, like trying to think about uh, where to, mm. in terms of the season, like you know, thinking of timeframes. What should we do? Sort of straight away and trying to move on straight away rather than worrying about it. I think. Yeah, right. So,
0: so in, um, in the rooms, you're already planning the rehab process and 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 for your mind, thinking, okay, it's not the end of footy this year. Maybe I. I I've got enough time because it's early enough in the year that I could potentially get back for, for finals footy? Because I guess you're kind of thinking that Brisbane at that stage of the year, you're still probably, even though you didn't have the greatest start to the season, you're still thinking you're going to feature in finals.
1: Yeah, that's 100%, 100% the case. Um, yeah, I was thinking, well, I was trying to count out the whatever round it was and how many rounds there were left and weeks there were left until the first week of finals. Um, if I... I was thinking at the time, because, you know, sometimes you can leave them, um, say, four to six weeks and just try and strengthen it back up. Um, but then it's, you they, they generally, you come back and you just, it's pretty sloppy and it's just going to probably go again. So um, the fact that it came out and it wasn't going back, you know, I was like, I'll probably have to get surgery. So I was, yeah, already thinking, um, yeah, best case, how we can, you know, reduce the time frame compared to usual because previous ones I've had have been sort of at four to six months um, out of the game. So... Yeah, just trying to, get guess, move on pretty quickly and um, think ahead.
0: What is it actually like pain-wise, A, when you do it, and then I've got to think it's got to hurt putting it back in. I mean, I've never dislocated anything other than a couple of fingers, and yeah. I just pop those back in, and it's not too bad, the ones I've had. But what's it actually like? And you know, then afterwards, once they pop it back in, is it still... Absolutely going at you Like have
1: they given you some medication at that point Or Yeah it's um At the time it's sort of a little bit of, uh, Do it like when you do it Obviously it's not You're just sort of more in a bit of shock Because you're sort of like Just like You know it's just Not sitting where it's quite meant to be You're like what's what's going on here um, And then like I said Yeah it's just more the Because it's not in the spot When you're walking and moving Like little jolts and everything just sort of banging on it um, And it is uh the painful part is probably when they try and do it and it doesn't go because you put a lot of pressure through the whole thing trying to pull it and oh. um and then it doesn't go but i'll tell you what when it does go it's a good feeling like when you know it's <laughs> when you know you get it back in and you're just like oh thank, you know yeah, right. sort of thing um and you are on you know they do have the what do you call it the green whistle or whatever down there just to help ease it and because um, sometimes, you know, some, sometimes you know sometimes you can be no worries and you just go straight back in and sometimes for some reason it can um, you know you tense up and it's just hard to relax the muscles in the area and, um, and can take, take some time to get back in so so um, yeah
0: so then obviously that's that's happened your home uh, it's probably happening on a weekend so I'm guessing you know uh, you're not able to access you know uh, scans or whatever until the Monday or whatever. But is that the next step in the process? Talk us through that, how that process unwound for you. So off to scans and then timelines. I know I actually sent you a message. I remember sending you a message, wishing you well and hoping that it wasn't going to be a season-ending thing for you. But I imagine you get plenty of support come your way. But then talk us through the process of of that following week.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think that game was on the Saturday Saturday night uh, yeah pretty much you just like I said nothing's really open on the Sunday so you just take it easy um, just at home chilling out and that um, and then yeah back into the club Monday um, go and get your sort of scan that morning MRI um, I had on it um, just to sort of get the full extent of the damage and um, sort of you get those results back you know Monday Arvo um, and then go in and that's when you sort of see the physios and pretty quickly you'll you know sit down and you'll know what what option you've really got to go ahead with, whether you rehab it um, at the club sort of thing in the gym um, or whether surgery is probably the best option. So uh, with this one, obviously, the timing of it um, and knowing that, you know, potentially if could get back, we obviously have to move pretty quickly. So I had, uh, yeah, the MRI Monday and then I ended up having surgery the Wednesday morning um, post it. So, yeah, trying not to mess around, obviously, because... Yeah, you know, at this time of the year, like I said, the, you know, a week later is pretty crucial in, in the recovery um, with this sort of injury. So, yeah, straight into straight into surgery on the Wednesday. So.
0: It's um, it's one of those things that probably fascinates people. Well, maybe it doesn't fascinate everyone like it does me, but I'm always interested in the fact that you know, it, if it happened to me, for example. As a professional golfer that isn't a part of an organisation in a, you know, a, a national sport like you're playing, uh, that process is going to be a lot slower. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm not going to probably be able to have be on the operating table on a Wednesday morning.
1: Nah. Yeah. I think yeah, it would be quite. Well, obviously, I'm not too sure. I mean, you know, I've always sort of once I've been injured, been in the AFL system, so. <laughs> But I could imagine, yeah, it wouldn't be as swift. Um, even my family and friends that had stuff done, you know, they sort of say it's been sore for a while and it takes a few months for them to actually sort of have to get the, uh, you know, whatever they have to get done to it. So and even just, um, we're pretty lucky. Just
0: getting your appointment. So I guess, yeah, that's, you know, that's that's a big part of being in the organisation. And I guess clubs play, pay big money for you guys to be on the field as well, don't they, you know? and
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Part of their... I guess their financial structuring is that they've got to be able to understand that injuries are coming and they've got to be able to manage it and pay for it and get treatment and care plans in place for athletes. So what happens after the surgery? What have you got? Have you got a significant period of downtime where you're not doing anything for a couple of weeks or post-surgery? How long is it before you can start on your rehab work?
1: Yeah. So I was, uh, I don't like sort of sit, <laughs> sitting around doing nothing. Um, especially when you know, the season's on the boys are playing. It uh, makes it a lot harder. Um, but, yeah, you do sort of have to oh, – I did have to sort of just be a little bit patient for a, sort of a week or two because um, with it being, uh, you know, like an open surgery, it's quite a big scar, so I wasn't allowed to sweat, which is, you know, a standard, standard procedure for everyone sort of not allowed to get it wet or sweat for seven to ten days um, just so, you know, it heals up fully and you, the last thing you want to do is, you know, push it then and get it infected and then delay it another, you know, two or three weeks, so – yeah, for the first sort of seven or 10 days, just pretty low-key, just, you know, you, you are actually you are actually pretty sore anyway, as it is, um, you know, for that first week or two, that's quite a sharp sort of pain where it, where it all sort of occurs um, in that area. So, yeah, pretty low-key. And then you can start to, after sort of that two-week mark, um, you know, really start to regress it. Um, and this time around, yeah, like I said, because I was working in this, I was trying to reduce the, the time out, uh, you know, started to push it a lot earlier, a lot quicker than usual um which yeah, it, yeah it had its challenges but um you know with the team I have it um you know it was done done very well so I was pretty happy with it
0: and i imagine that this year in that group you had a few of your big name you know or significant players in the club in that yeah. group or in that group of guys you know a, a couple of ACLs obviously with with um Hippie and, and uh, Mr. Rayner. Um, and then Lockie Neal has been on and off a little bit as well. So what's it like? Is there a good support? Like when you're in there together, obviously you want to be in the main group training and playing footy and that's what you love. But is it pretty – I imagine it's pretty good to have a bunch of guys in there that are all pushing and making sure that you're not, you know, missing anything on the, on the way or shortcutting. I imagine you're still – push
1: each other along? Yeah, correct. Um, like I said, you don't want to have too many guys in there, but, you know, when you're in there, you're, it's, it's a lot easier with others. Um, and you're sort of somewhat uh, like a little team away from the team. because um, yeah. you, you do run on a different schedule. Um, and, yeah, you're not really participating or training with them. So you're sort of, while they're out on the track, you'll be inside together, you know, on a bike or doing a gym or a swim. Um, so it is pretty important that you're, um do look after and support each other and i think we do do a really good job of that um and we've got josh low in as our new um you know rehab um, coordinator and manager so he does a really good job um you know there's like we've got a group chat with everyone um which is you know there's usually a little bit of banter in there and whatnot um keep the energy and the spirit up um and yeah just those just little things um you know, little change ups and that, whether you do a little gym, diff- just different workouts, different things together, um, just little things. Obviously, it's a bit hard with restrictions and all that now, but um, yeah, like probably the main thing is it's just, yeah, it feels like a little team away from the team, which is important because um, it can be quite difficult for guys in that time. Is it
0: hard when you feel like, because I imagine you, you, you played your first game back on the weekend just gone, but is it hard when you? when it looks like it's just around the corner, not to screw it up, <laughs> if that makes sense, like not to push too hard or, you know, say, yeah, yeah. I'm ready when, you know, it's just that little bit early. Cause you just got to be itchy by that stage.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I've probably, <laughs> probably been through it a few times. So I sort of, you know, learn a little bit, um, in that regard just to, you know, yeah, like I said, just sort of work, work your way into it. And, um, you know, that smarter, you know, not harder sort of attitude, I guess, a little bit has to come into it uh, at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, we, yeah, to just make sure you've um, ticked all the boxes that you needed to. Um, and yeah, you don't want to, you know, if someone's saying, no, you shouldn't be playing and you're saying, yes, I do, and then you know yourself, you're, you're going to feel like a bit of an idiot. So, yeah, um, yeah definitely right in that regard, just to um, sort of work your way into it and just make sure you ticked all the boxes because you'd hate to sort of push it, like you said, for a week and then miss, you know, four or five weeks when you could have waited a week and play those four or five. So yes. um, I think you sort of learn from other, even other people's experiences that happens too, that it's just sort of not worth it um, sometimes.
0: What's the... I mean, we, we read about it all the time as, as followers of the game and all sorts of sports, I guess. We read about it that, you know... You know, Darcy Gardner is going to undergo a fitness test ahead of this week to see whether he can come back or not. With a dislocated shoulder, what does that look like, a fitness test for you to be able to get out on the park and for that um, a big tick to say, yeah, he's good to go, coach?
1: Yeah, I don't think there was – well, this time around, if it did say it for um, the week, you know, week gone – on um, my first game back. There wasn't really anything, I guess, specific. I just sort of had to be able to – it's pretty much sort of a month build-up. Like, you know, just be able to do solid sessions, you know, you know that month leading into playing that first game. Um, Does that mean,
0: like, then, you know, being, like, in your contact sessions, you know, you've got to be able to take a bump, you know. You've yeah. You've got to be in yeah. marking contest, be able to, you know, for you spoil and all those sorts of things. Is that kind of what the fitness test would look like for you?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Those are things you sort of progress through that probably last month um, and ramp up. So um, yeah, a lot of not a lot, but a little bit of tackling. But yeah, a lot for me, more so that overhead stuff, spoiling, marking. Um, I've just got to, I've just got to be honest with myself whether I feel comfortable doing those things. Um, leading into that sort of last week, um, and then just get through the main training. I guess um, is the, is the last little step. But yeah, um, you know, we, we built that up. Um, I guess over those few weeks leading into it. So I was quite confident going in um, that, you know, I was, I was solid, um, good to go on, and, and could put my hand up for selection. So, yeah. Do, do they spend any time
0: teaching you how to fall on the ground, mate, so you don't
1: do it again? Uh, there's actually, oh, I didn't actually do a lot of it, but I sort of did speak a little bit about it, yeah, right. to be honest. Just you, you're, and even um, speaking to Loewy. About it, I was I was inspecting him a little bit about it during the game. You sort of are a bit more aware of it, and you actually probably sort of do things a bit smarter sometimes in a way like you, um, rather than just sort of you know falling over or diving and that. You actually sort of stay. You like no, actually I might keep my feet here and um, you know yeah yeah some Sometimes you know you got to dive and whatever and be desperate and that, but um, it can actually I felt feel like you can actually work in other ways where you can be a bit smarter and you've probably got to be a bit smarter with your positioning when you're approaching a contest. Um, in terms of using your feet a bit better and your footwork, because you, yeah. be re- you don't want to be you don't want to be reaching, um, putting your arm, you know, just whacking it out, sort of thing. You want to get your body in a good position so you're stronger. Um, so yeah, it can yeah, so yeah it can lead off to a few different ways, I guess. But. Potentially
0: helping helping you develop into being a better player, potentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, those are little things you you look into it to try and I guess little positives that you can try and get out of. Um, something um, that you know you don't really want to happen but if it does you know, there's nothing you can do about it so you just gotta find ways to, to get yeah get things out of it I guess
0: and mate here's the tough question you played first game back on the weekend A how was the match fitness B how would you rate your game out of 10 mate
1: yeah um, a <laughs> nice out of 10 it would be probably a 5 to a 6 yeah um, I was definitely a bit rusty well, uh I
0: saw you have a couple of short kick options that mate
1: you'd probably want over, I reckon. Yeah, there was one where I would just stick <laughs> the boot into it, that's for sure. Um Match Fitness wasn't actually too was I wasn't too bad. I was I was a little bit getting a little bit heavy in the, late in the third quarter. Uh, just as expected. It's just gonna it's gonna happen. It's nothing you yeah. can really do about that. Um but, yeah, match fitness actually felt all right. It's just probably a little bit of game sense. And when you do get a bit tired, a little bit of technical stuff, we get getting a little bit sloppy and just if you're getting a bit lazy, I think. Um, you know, I gave away a couple of free kicks I wasn't too happy about and just a couple of contests that I'll, I'd usually expect myself to do a lot better in. Um, so, uh, but that's all right. We, we had a good look at them. Uh, you know, when was it? Let's say, yeah, had a good look at them today, actually, on Monday um, after the game. And, um, yeah, definitely feel like I'll be better off for it. Um just next week. So oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean you've been been out of the game for a while. So it's it's almost like a round one. You know, if you think back to yeah, our, yeah the Lions round one. Um, you know, there's a few few people in the same boat, we'll be better for it. So um better for that first run. Mate, how the rest of the boys before we move out of injury and the difficulties and the tough times of Professional sport as an injured player, how are the rest of the boys tracking, mate? Um, you know, we spoke about um, Hippie and, and Co, Mr. Rayner. Um, how are they all going with with their work? And I, I could have sworn I saw Rayner kicking a football today on Instagram from the pocket on some Brisbane Lions video.
1: Yeah, no, Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's going well. Um, that was it. Yeah. Per- yeah, 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 correct. Yeah, yeah no, you weren't saying things. He was having a few shots. Um, no, he's, he's back running and all that now. He's obviously not like training, change of direction and that. Um, more so controlled running, straight line running, like conditioning stuff that he can do. Um, so yeah, he's you know on track, you know, ticking all the boxes sort of thing. Um, same obviously, he be with his, he's only quite early, but um. He's still, yeah, obviously got his brace on and uh, I think he said he was out of that and maybe off the crutches next week, So, um, which would be good for him, a bit of relief for him. I think he's been in that, yeah, what's it been now, four or six weeks. So, um, no, he's going well. Um, and, yeah, all the other boys, obviously there's a, there's a few others in there that have been in and out and that. But, um, no, everyone's, everyone seems to be in good spirits um, as far as I'm aware. So, because it can be, yeah, it can be difficult being in that group, especially coming into this time of the year. So,
0: must be nice to, Um, you know, it must be nice to, like you say, just get past the stage into that next stage and off the crutches to, you know, not needing them. And, you know, obviously for Cam Rain and to be able to start, you know, doing fitness and building. I reckon I've never seen him fitter than the start of this year. Like, I think in the years he's played so far, I reckon it was the fittest and, you know, um, trimmed down as I've seen him.
1: Yeah, 100%. He was... Definitely, yeah, and he's in the best shape he's been in since he's been at the club, um, and it was it was translating to what he was doing out in the field early before he did get hurt. So, um, no, I've got no doubt we'll see him like that next year, yeah, you know, even times times ten. Um, I hope so. So, um, yeah. it'll be pretty exciting. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about the Lions then, as we sort of wrap up. Um, I think it's fascinating. We spoke about Justin Leprich being in the club uh, from 2014 to 2016. Uh, and if we look at the timeline of 2014, which was your first year, the Lions came 15th. In 2015, they ran 17th in the comp. 2016 ran 17th in the comp. The... Much talked about Chris Fagan joins the club in 2017 and the Brisbane Lions come last. Then in 2018, you still run 15th. And then all of a sudden, 2019, 2020, you go from last 15th into second second. What on earth happens to make that happen? And is it a process of, Chris Fagan arriving and then starting to go right. I need to strip things back in the club. Like, what did you see happen that made you think, okay, this guy knows what he's doing, and we will go in an upwards tra- uh, trajectory? And you obviously have. So what? Yeah. What on earth? <laughs> um, yeah, that's
1: no, a good, you know. it's a good a very good question. Um, obviously, I probably won't be able to. I'll miss a few things, and because uh, there's probably quite a few different factors um, into that resulting. Uh, but yeah, you, you are pretty right with him. Sort of like stripping everything right back. Uh, I remember when he first first got here, um, he you know he caught up with everyone, all the players one on one, just to get everyone's thoughts on you know what's been going on you know, why things are happening, how, like, you know, how things have been operating or all that sort of thing, how everyone's feeling, what they think it should be like, um, all those sort of things, just anything pretty much. Is that um, you
0: into the, the head coach's office and are you, you know, crapping yourself as
1: these things happen? or? <laughs> oh, no, well, it was more just because it, it was his first time up here, so he just wanted to get to know everyone um, yeah. just to sort of see what, you know, oh, yeah, more so just to get to know everyone and then just get a few ideas of, but a rummer's feeling and that sort of thing. Um and then yeah, obviously when he came, I think David Noble was the same year um as well. So that was a you know, obviously two probably you know, pretty highly decorated people in, in footy and have a lot of you know, previous experiences. Obviously Fagan coming from Hawthorne, so um being there for all their premierships, um, which you know helps a little bit. Um, But, yeah, probably just stripping it right back. And and like you said, our results for those first two years, I think, dropped or were similar. Um, But I think as a team, we we probably even, I don't know if we went younger than what we were previously, it was maybe a little bit of that. Um, And then um, I think it's just that, you know, new coach, new game plan, um, new players. Obviously, we had a few players traded in over that time as well, more so trying to get that experience. So we sort of balanced stuff a bit better. Um, And I probably just... Yeah, correct. Yeah, Hodgie, Um, and so it probably just takes a little bit of uh, that sort of. You know, does take probably two or three years that to sort of form, I guess, and gel together, um, and understand what works and what doesn't. Um, Things just like you know standards, even little things like standards, trademark stuff around the club, um, just becoming a bit probably a bit more professional um, as athletes and footballers um, was probably a big thing. Um, and just leadership around the whole team, I think, um, was a big focus and it sort of definitely grew and improved and a lot of guys have, you know, stepped up in that area um, through that time um, on the field and off the field. Um, It's probably been a big thing. Um, As in the, in the,
0: the leadership group taking ownership over, making sure that, you know, it's a group that, is not just on the field, but off the field, away from footy, They're what caring more for each other, caring more for each other maybe is the right or wrong term, but you know, investing in the lives of each other off the field as well. So that when you're on the field, you feel like I'm not going to let my mate down.
1: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, definitely a bit of that. So you've got that trust there um, that you would, you know, you do have on and off the field. Um, and also, yeah, just probably a little bit, yeah, like you said, with that care, um, Faggs has a strong focus on that, you know, becoming a good person as well, not just a good footballer. Um, so a bit of life outside of footy, um, going out of your way to do things for others, um, a bit of that sort of, I guess, thing, if that sort of makes sense, along those lines, um, which when you do those, you know, just, it seems to be the way when you do those sort of things, it all sort of comes together here out on the footy field. And, um, yeah, it seems to work work for us. So Pretty good
0: advice for life for everyone and you know all the listeners listening in that you know hey if you're if you're a good person and you you have opportunity to help someone else and you do it that kind of life respects that and you know pays it back in in space yeah in a way and maybe not maybe not directly or in the next five minutes but i I just believe in that as well and i think that's a a great And, and he's he's certainly got a reputation as being someone who's you know, through the other boys who've been on the podcast, he, he picks up the phone a bit, you know, and yeah sure that his players are going along okay and that family's going along okay. It seems to be like the Wayne Bennett's and the Craig Bellamy's of the world and, and these elite coaches seems, they all seem to have that trait.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100% right. Um like I said, when he it probably started on that first, first day he got here when he caught up with everyone face to face individually, like he you know, he didn't have to do that. He could've just, you know, got in a team group and just sort of gone, no, we're gonna do it this way and my way, rather than getting everyone's opinions and um ideas on how things should I guess I guess sort of giving the players a bit of a voice has been a thing over the sort of the last couple of years rather than just going, Now we're doing it this way, you can get stuff sort of thing. I know I know I'm the on the boss on the you know, I know everything. Um it's nothing like that. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, he he does do it, you know, throughout the year. Um, just the call, or you'll either go around to his house um, to have that individual catch up, um, just to check on, like you said, things um, with your footy, and then also outside of your footy with your family and um, what what you're doing outside of the club and and that sort of thing. So, um, and it's good to see it. Obviously, you know, you can always just come and do it once here or there, but to continually follow up with it and actually feel like he cares about it. Um, it's probably another thing, I think.
0: And you reckon that that's? I mean, you would think it has to have an impact on, you know, players. We spoke about it earlier. Players wanting to go back home, um, who are the interstate players who've been drafted yeah. in. Whereas now it looks like it's a, it's a destination club that club players want to come to, want to get drafted to, want to get brought into. Um, a because it's a it's a list that's starting to grow in games together as well as games. So you know those young players turning them from 20 into 40 into 60 into 80 game players, which I think has to have a massive influence on your team's ability on the field, but also um, bringing in some bringing in some guys like you know Luke Hodge, who's you know a ripping fella and and an amazing footballer with incredible. Um, CV as well as you know Grant Birchall, who's probably playing in a similar role, I imagine, to what Hodgie yep. played when he was playing. So uh, all of those traits you spoke about with Faye have got to be um, key to all of that, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's sort of a, I guess, a flow and effect to everyone. Um, you know, so when they do come here, um, it's not just him doing it. All the all the team, all the guys, all the players and the team, sort of. Trying to do that as well, which helps everyone sort of feel that welcome environment. Um, because obviously, yeah, they're the ones you're spending most of the time with your teammates. So um, yeah, for him to do it, I guess it makes you want to action it um, and be more like that. Um, because you because obviously when he does it to you, you feel you know, feel makes you feel good about yourself. So it's like, well, I should probably do it a bit more myself because I'm sure it'll have an effect on a few other people and make them feel better about themselves.
0: When yeah. when you when you think about and I don't know how much you saw of it, but when you think about the, you were pretty young, the Lions of their premiership years, I think back to those times and think those guys played together for a number of years, the Scott brothers, you know, Mel Michael at, and, and Lepich at the back, um, through the middle in Voss and Black and Ackermas and Luke Power and Jonathan Brown up front, Um Chris Johnson down the back, Darrell White, all those guys, you know, that were synonymous to the same team year after year. Um, Hardy. And, you know, it just seemed like wherever they were on the field, the other guys in the team kind of knew the traits and kind of knew what Simon Black was going to do when he put his head down and in, in and under the football in the middle of the park, they knew where his hand pass direction was going to go. And it was almost like, Bucky didn't even have to look. He just would go and, the other guys would know where it was going to go lap and been be running forwards and know that the hand pass was going to come out. Is, is that something that you guys train, for one? Do you train those little disciplines of, okay, well, when the ball goes here or when we've got this happening, you know, we want to be moving in this direction? Is that something that's trained or is it just learning through playing with your teammates for a consistent number of seasons that you know that that's how they play
1: Uh, Yeah, it's probably probably a good balance of both, I reckon. Um, Definitely definitely something you train um, and train a lot of. A lot of simple things like um, like you know, like I said, with that handling, like handling it out, we do a lot of that. When you just pick it up, there should be someone sort of in your ten to two in your vision there to receive it um, to support the ball carrier, so you you can pretty much handle it without looking. And it's on almost on the receiver to be there. Um, You've got to trust they're going to be there for you to to give it to. and yeah, a little, lot of lot of things like you know forward leading patterns and that sort of thing. So you, there should always be someone either leading up to you or out the you know out the back sort of thing. The little things you work on um, when you're going forward with the footy, uh, um, and then yeah, I guess yeah, that's probably yeah probably it really like. Um, and, and then obviously a little bit of that working together and learning what you know some guys' strengths and weaknesses are helps helps as well in that area.
0: Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. So understanding you know, I would imagine having complete understanding of which foot's the dominant foot as well. Yeah. So, like, you know, when you've got the football, um, knowing that your right foot is your dominant foot and you want to be able to then, if you're up the field, you want to be able to move into a space that's, that's gettable for you with your right foot, I'm imagining.
1: Yeah, yeah, correct. So, obviously, if you know you've got... Yeah, like I said, myself, you, you'd probably, you know, create, you'd work away and then come back to create that space where that right foot is probably going to roll onto um, or vice versa. If it's Richie or birch kicking, you, you know, they're left footers. So, you know, you do the opposite, you'll sort of go the other way and then come back so you can open up that space because um, obviously it's a lot easier for those guys when they're rolling or wrapping around onto their your preferred foot. Um, so, yeah, just things like that um, that you just sort of, yeah, you learn over over, playing, you know, over the course of, I guess, a couple of seasons of playing together and training it together.
0: It, it fascinates me, the left foot, right foot, dominant foot. I look at it from a golfing perspective, which I often always compare things back to golf, but um, I reckon Richie, it's like someone who hits, hits the ball right to left, you know, as a golfer, hits draws, and just cannot fade the ball. Is he like that? Like, his draw is his left foot and there's no way he could he could get his right foot to really work or just very, very occasionally when he has to?
1: Uh, yeah, very, very occasionally when he has to, <laughs> if even. Um, exactly. I'm, not even sure, I'm not even sure I've seen him kick on it, to be honest, in my <laughs> life. Uh, not that he, to be honest, not that he has to because he can just. His left foot. Yeah, He manages just to get himself, even if he's stuck on his right, he can just get himself <laughs> out of trouble and. Just one step, kick at sixty off his left. So, um, unfortunately, not all blessed like that. But
0: um, who's the best you reckon in the team? I've got my thoughts on it. Um, uh, as far as both feet go,
1: oh, that's a good, good question. I reckon close, probably Zork. I reckon yeah, Zork's okay. or I was, was thinking,
0: I was thinking Link McCarthy.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. He's he's he, and he's yeah he he can kick him flat rather than a loopy opposite like most of us. <laughs> he can uh he can penetrate and kick it flat. So yeah, no, it's a good
0: one. Mm, yeah, it's awesome. Now, mate, um how's the feeling amongst the squad? It might have even changed over the last week or so with certain um, team losing last weekend. And you probably were thinking going into last weekend's games that okay, well, we're going to play finals, but we're probably going to finish fifth. And that sort of makes it very, very easy for us to understand what's required week to week, which is just you got to win. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, the Bulldogs losing and them playing Port this week and, and you guys having a, a great percentage boost win. It's an interesting one going into this weekend's game. Has there been chatter about that? Or it's just, look, like, let's, you know, focus on what we need to do Leading into finals, is there talk about okay? This is you know what we want to do, working what we want to be working on towards week one of the finals, irrespective of where you finish.
1: Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. It's it's probably you know you do definitely talk about it a little bit. It's hard not to it's just the reality of it. Yes. You got to you know it's it's a good thing to actually be you know to have, I guess. Um, it's a bit of a unique situation though because obviously um, with the draw out there, they're playing Friday night, so we'll pretty much know um, before our game. Uh, what you know, what can happen and what can't. Um, regardless of that, though, it's not going to change the way we go about um, playing on that um, Saturday night, whether um, doggies win or lose. Um, and obviously, West Coast, you know, they're playing for a fair bit as well because they're just they're outside of the eight now. So, um, you know, if we don't, if we turn up with the wrong attitude, so it's all just pretty much comes down to an attitude. If we turn up with the wrong attitude, um, you know, you'll, you'll get found out. But. Yeah. Um, Definitely hoping that Port Adelaide do get up um, by a bit. But, um, yeah, we'll we'll just just wait and see. Well,
0: I imagine if they win and you guys win, because the percentage is quite small now. Is there any of those, you know, um, mathematical geniuses within the club who would figure it out a bit like the 1,500-metre runners in that decathlon (laughs) final event? They knew that it was 8.73 seconds or whatever it was going to be. Um, is there any mathematical geniuses or players in the club that have done all the math and said, all right, well, Port need to win by this and we need to win by this?
1: Uh, I haven't heard anything yet, but there definitely would be, I reckon, discussion and there'd be a couple of guys that could figure it out pretty quickly. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't really get how the percentage works. or I know, like I said, I think it's only 1% or 2%, so it doesn't feel like much, but I don't know. I think I've heard maybe it might be, you know, five or six golf swings, so... Potentially, you know, Port need to win by three, and we'd have to win by three as well, or something. Or you know, they can win by a little bit; you'd have to win by more. I'm I'm not too sure. I think it's something along those lines, though. Yeah. I didn't expect it to get that close, though, from the weekend. So that's how much I know about it. Even though we won by that much, I had no idea we'd even um, yeah. even. I think I think the doggies lost before we we played. I think they were in the early arvo, but I didn't even like. You know, I didn't even think about that going into the game, thinking, "Oh, you're a chance to actually get within." but I had no idea. So I reckon
0: it must. I reckon um, it must be over the entire year. Is it? I think it yeah. sort of manages. You know how much you've beaten opposite teams by on a cumulative average over the entire season.
1: Yeah, it's, it's something like, something along those lines. But <laughs> I've never, even though I've played, it, I should probably know because I've played it my whole life. I've, I've never really looked into it too much. Oh well, but could could be pretty important this weekend. Unfortunately, mate, you just can't
0: do your thing and stop 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 the West Coast kicking any goals, mate. That'd be yeah, you know, that's it.
1: Trying you know, be best,
0: uh, mate. Well, look, certainly, um, wish you all the very best. Not only with your with your team, but with yourself in your recovery and and getting back out on the field. It's great to have you back out there playing for the Lions, mate. And watching on as a as a big fan that I am of the team and the club, and yourself, mate. Um, so it's. I wish you all the very best, um, not only this week, mate, but certainly uh, for the club through finals. And let's hope we go one better than last year and make it into the, the big dance. And, um, mate, you get that premiership glory that, uh, that all you guys dream about, I'm sure. So wishing you and all the boys all the very best, mate. But before you go, I do have one more question, uh, which I do ask all of my podcast guests um, at the end of their episode. And it is, if you could be anyone, any sportsman um, over the course of history, both past or present, um, for a day, live the life in their shoes, maybe perform the way they perform in their sport and then, you know, enjoy the spoils of that afterwards. Who would it be, mate?
1: Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. There's definitely plenty of, plenty of options you'd like to choose. Um, I do um, enjoy my surfing, so I'll, I'll side with Kelly Slater, I reckon. Um, some of the stuff he's been able to achieve and do over the years has been pretty special to watch, so um, pretty cool to do that and to have his wife pulled to myself for the whole day. I reckon it'd be pretty,
0: pretty fun as well. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, not only is he an incredible surfer with an incredible history within the sport, but he's got the perfect wave out of yes. the backyard. I mean, it's off the charts. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I reckon he gets pretty good guests to his, you know, barbecue. And
1: so. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a, oh, yeah. Anyone, anyone to go,
0: I reckon. Everyone who's anyone would, would <laughs> be in there. Um, Do you reckon you'd, would you live that day? Would you live that day when he's got a, you know, a few of the, Few of the superstars of other sports coming in to have a go and have a beer and sit around and ride his wave pool? Or would you like to be Kelly Slater on a day when he's, you know, riding one of the, you know, the premier breaks in the world and, or when he wins like a, you know, his last world championship? You know, and he sews it up in that event. Like, would, would it be that day, or would it be just the chill Kelly Slater day? And and mate, he loves golf too. So you know, you might yeah, yeah. spend a day playing golf with him in the morning. <laughs> and I know you love your golf yeah. as well. So yeah, um, what what day one. in the life of Kelly Slater would you like to live?
1: That is a tough one because it would be pretty pretty cool to hang out with um, you know a few people at the pool. Yeah. I don't know. I reckon it, I reckon it'd be pretty special though to. Um, Obviously, they haven't been out of the last couple of years, but um, close out a world championship at, at Pipeline um, in Hawaii. Um, that'd be pretty, pretty special, I reckon. Just probably, I'd probably probably choose that day. If it happened to fall, he was, you know, needed to win win the final event to win the championship. Um, yeah, it seems pretty, pretty cool event and something I'd love to go over and watch one day.
0: Absolutely. Have you ever, you said you're a good surfer. Are you a good surfer? And have you ever surfed a barrel?
1: Uh, intermediate and <laughs> and yeah no I, I have yeah you know, I'm not like amazing not yeah yeah you know, I've been surfing for a while though so obviously grew up um, in Point Lonsdale uh, down the coast Queen'scliff way so um, yeah no yeah can can surf better surfer than golfer at the moment. All
0: right. there you <laughs> Yeah. Go. Oh well,
1: we'll yeah. have to sort that out, mate. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Once I get back out there, hopefully at the end of the season, I can get back out there and get stuck into it
0: mate. Once the season's over, you're more than welcome out to Royal Nudgey, mate. And I'll show you around the new course. It's, um, it's getting better and better week by week and getting closer and closer to the, the finish date, which will be sometime early next year, which is outrageous. And um, it's, you know, it's going to be one of the best golf courses in Queensland for sure. So can't wait to have yeah, you out, mate, out. show you around with a few of the boys and get you informed for the um, illustrious white jacket. I'm yeah. we sure we'll be up for grabs amongst the Lions boys at the end of the year, as it always is.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure there'll be there'll a be vent teed up for that one. It's been a while, so i have to get back into form.
0: And the problem I've got is I've had a few of you boys on the show, so, you know, I've got, <laughs> I've got too many guys wanting me to get them into form for the white jacket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you might have to do a group lesson or something yeah. all at once.
0: Uh, absolutely. Oh, mate, thanks so much for your time. I know it is a busy time of year for you. Um, Great to see you back playing for Lions. Mate, wish you all the very best and uh, pass on my best to all the boys.
1: Uh, Cheers, Matt. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Catch up.